And our reading this morning is from Luke 5, verses 15 and 16. So it's very, very short. And as we're reading this, we're part of uh, continuing our sermon series called An Attentive Life. So let me read this passage for us. Yet the news about Jesus spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That was the reading. Thank you very much. So I had the blessing uh, earlier this week to go on retreat, and it's really nice to go away on someone else's expense. I'm doing this training course at the moment, and it's lovely to be fed, isn't it? To have five cups of tea a day that I don't need, but the facilities are there, and they're available to me. And it was great to go away with other Christian leaders and to pray together to seek God and to listen to him. And that's what we just read in our passage. Crowds of people seeking out Jesus, they heard about him, and yet he is retreating. He's withdrawing for them, withdrawing from them. Yet Jesus doesn't seek out a nice hotel near Oxfordshire, as I went. Instead, what does he do? He seeks out lonely places. And as we read this passage today, as I said, we're continuing this sermon series called An Attentive Life. What does it mean to be a person who lives in a way that is attentive to who God is, what he's done and what he's doing. What does it mean to be a person of God's presence? What does it mean to seek him out? A couple of weeks ago, I spoke from uh, the passage and the story about Mary and Martha. And as you remember that, the two sisters, one who's seeking the Lord at his feet and then another one who's distracted. Last week, Rob, thank you so much for the word that you brought as we considered the Lord's prayer and Jesus' command to seek God out in the secret place. Now we've got our passage this week. And as we look at this very, very brief two verses, the question I would like to answer and for us to consider together is what does Jesus' prayer life tell us about following God? What does the way that Jesus prayed tell us about living an attentive life? What does Jesus show us? And here's the first point I'd like to make Jesus' ministry is our model. Jesus' ministry is our model. As in the things that Jesus did in his earthly life when he was upon the earth are a model for us. The way that he taught, the way that he shared is a model for us. So I think verse 5 of chapter, excuse me, verse 15 of chapter 5 from Luke could summarize the three years that Jesus spent whilst he was on earth. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Luke is saying the news about Jesus is spreading all over the place. And you could go back just in the gospel and you could understand, well, what's the news of Jesus that's been going out? Well, you know, you flip back to chapter four that you understand that Jesus is the one who's been standing up in the synagogues and declaring that the scriptures that have just been read, they're about him which made people angry. The news about Jesus has been spreading that he's the one that can cast out demons with all amazing authority, which doesn't cause people to be angry, but to be amazed. The news about Jesus has been spreading that he's been preaching and that even the impure spirits that he was casting out of people would say, you are the son of God. What's the news about Jesus that's been spreading? Do you remember the story of Jesus? And he's met some fishermen who would later play an important part in the Gospels as they become his disciples. He's met some fishermen, he tells them to fish on the other side and they catch so much fish that the boats began to sink. The news was going around that Jesus was not only interacting with people with leprosy, 
but he was touching and he was healing them. The people of that day would never have seen anything like it before. Could you imagine what it'd be like to hear about Jesus? Have you heard the news? Have you heard it? I've never heard, we've never heard anyone teach like this. Did you hear that he healed? And the way that it would have worked in those times, people would have known who had been healed. They had communities, they would have known. You know, there's people called Tim with leprosy. And did, did you hear Jesus, the healer? He touched him and he was healed. So they're gathering towards him. And uh, we might not immediately think this, but here's the point I want to make from this, is that Jesus' ministry, this ministry that we see him doing, is our model for ministry as well. And we could do a whole sermon series on this, and I think we probably should. But we are also called, all of us, in our different ways, with the different gifts that God gives us, to show and to tell the kingdom of God. What did Jesus do? He was demonstrating the kingdom of God and he was proclaiming the kingdom of God. When these people who are uh, trying to seek Jesus out, these crowds that are gathering, what do they come to Jesus to do? It says to listen to him and to be healed of their sicknesses. And Jesus had this proclamation and demonstration kind of ministry. And we're called to do the same thing, to show people that God loves them and to tell people that God loves them, to demonstrate to people that the kingdom of God is real and coming and has come in the power of the Spirit. And to tell people that the kingdom is real, kingdom of God is real and is coming. And we need to have uh, words and actions going together, just like Jesus did. If you wanna show people God's love, but you don't tell them what's going on, you're like a signpost that has a sign on it, but it's got no words on it. You know, it's pointing somewhere but it's, no one's sure what it's pointing to. And if you've got a life that's just about telling people about God, but you don't live a life of loving service for them, it's like you've got a sign, but it's not supported by anything. And Jesus had this ministry where he would show people in great power what God was up to, healing the sick. Do you remember he stood up in the temple? He reads Isaiah 61, and he declares, this is about me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor and on he goes. And that kind of ministry is the ministry that we get to join in with. And it's great to hear about and be learning about as I've joined this church, members of our church family who've been doing this kind of work for many, many years and are continuing to do it now. Luke and Tara from our congregation, they've been going out uh, onto the streets nearby. They've been sharing food with people and just in a really clear way, just proclaiming the gospel. Um, it's great to be part of the Tower Tots team that happens on Wednesdays. Tower Tots is our toddler group. It's great to welcome people in and just prayerfully just to engage them as we you know, make a space for people, just to open up conversations. It's great to invite them to Christmas and so on. Um, it's great to hear about members of our family, church family, who are being witnesses for God um, our very own Cam uh, shared a screenshot with me this week of a text message from the rowing group that he's in and somebody had used Jesus Christ's name in vain and he stepped in and said, don't worry, I know Jesus Christ. You know, standing up for Jesus um, in the public place. We're all called to do this. And as I said, we could do a whole sermon series on what that mean. But when we read verses like this in Luke, when we see Jesus, Jesus at work, that can be a model for us. And wouldn't it be amazing if verse, if verse 15 was true of our city? 
Let me read verse 15 again, and I'm going to insert the city of Bristol. Yet the news about Jesus spread all the more in the city of Bristol, so the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Wouldn't that be amazing if that was true of our city? But there's more to this passage here than just a ministry for us. I think it's also that Jesus' model, excuse me, Jesus' method is our model. So not just Jesus' ministry is a model for us, but his method is a model for us too. Let me read 15 and 16 again. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So how did Jesus do what he did? This teaching ministry, this healing ministry. What was his method? What was the secret to it? How did he achieve it? Well, I think it's all found in verse 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The crowds would be seeking Jesus out, and yet he would withdraw. And the same is to be true of us. Not just a ministry that we're called to, but the how of that ministry, the method, the way it happens, the way God moves through us and works in us. We also are called to withdraw, to seek our Heavenly Father and to receive from Him all that we need. I wonder what keeps you going. Maybe like other people, uh, a good holiday will keep you going. I had my hair cut yesterday, uh, on Friday, excuse me, and um, I've met this barber twice now, and the first, conversa- uh, first question he always asks me is, are you going anywhere nice on holiday? And it was only six weeks ago since I saw you, Adam, so um, I said I don't know last time, and I don't know this time either. Um, I like having a good holiday to look forward to, don't you? You know, something nice coming up, it's in the diary. What did Jesus have to look forward to in his earthly life? The cross. Jesus came and knew the mission of God that he had been given. And yet, so it wasn't good news, if you like, that sustained him. Jesus was looking to something that was gonna cause, he knew the greatest suffering. And so he knew that to be sustained for that, he had to withdraw. As all these people were gathering to him with their great need, he saw his own need, and so he'd withdraw and seek his father. And it says, therefore, that Jesus went to lonely places. I wonder what lonely places were like, hilltops. Maybe he went by rivers. I don't know. But it says they were lonely places, yet, but Jesus was seeking out his Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. It means that those lonely places would have been transformed into places of the deepest communion with him and his heavenly Father as he sought his Father out. And if someone were to ask you this question, I wonder how you'd answer How did Jesus do the things he did? How did Jesus do it? How did Jesus go about his ministry? And I bet the first answer that we might say is, well, Jesus was God, so that's a good start. Is that what we might say? Well, Jesus is God, so that'll get you most of the way, won't it? You know, how did Jesus raise the dead? How did he cast out demons? How did he cleanse the leper? How did he see the secrets of people's hearts, of secrets of people's hearts? How did he preach in such a way that many would respond? And we might say, well, he's God. And that's true. You need to hear that from the vicar. Jesus was God, fully God. But also we see in Jesus 
not only in his life but in his words, the relationship between him and his heavenly father. When Jesus is speaking in John 8, Jesus would say, I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has given me. The one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Jesus, even though he's the son of God, he's fully God, he said, I can't do anything on my own. In fact, even the words I speak, I only speak what my Father has given me. And he makes that really clear in John 5. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, the son, talking of himself, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. I can't do anything on my own, said Jesus. And we might think, well, yes, but if he's God, why would he be saying that? And it points us to an important point about Jesus, not just his identity, but the way in which he came to earth. And Philippians 2, which is, contains in Philippians 2, there's almost like a short hymn of praise to God that declares who God is and what he's done. And let me read a little bit about it, a little bit of it. Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ, even though he was God, he humbled himself. He stepped off his throne, he left the glory of heaven, and he became just like you and I. And that phrase there for Jesus making himself nothing is the Greek word canoe. And it's where we get this theology of something called kenosis. Kenosis, and other translations will say that Jesus emptied himself. And I think it's really important for us to grasp not only because we understand who Jesus was and what he's like, but we understand and we see his dependence upon his father. Jesus didn't, didn't consider a colleague with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. And so in his earthly life, he has emptied himself, not of his divinity, but some of the privileges that come with it. Jesus was dependent on his father. There were times that Jesus didn't know. It, it looks like he gave up knowing everything. Do you remember Jesus said, I'm, it's not for me to know the times and dates. He doesn't know when he's gonna come again. Jesus received his sense of identity from his father, didn't he? At his baptism, God the Father speaks words over his son. This is my son whom I love. Jesus received power from his father. Isn't it amazing to think God would say, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, Isaiah 61. God said that. But it's just a picture of how Jesus had laid his life down. He had humbled himself from the glory of heaven to come to earth. This self-emptying, this kenosis, that's what Jesus has done. So when you look at Jesus' prayer life, what you see is dependence upon his Father. The night before he appoints his 12 disciples, where do we find Jesus? He's been praying all night. 
And so we might be tempted to think that, well, you know, when we read about Jesus' amazing ministry, well, that basically happened because he's God. And that's part of the answer. But I think the actual, the fuller answer is, is that Jesus became totally dependent upon his Father and was led by the Father, was filled with the Holy Spirit and was, so was able to do the things that his Father called him to do and he obeyed to do and was given the power to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what we see is in our passage is, if you like, that in action. So the crowds are gathering to Jesus, they're drawing around him to be healed of their sicknesses, to hear his teaching, and yet what does Jesus do? Again and again, often withdrawing to lonely places and praying. And in that, we are seeing Jesus' method, a reliance upon his heavenly Father, a total dependence upon him, the theology of this kenosis played out as he's lowered himself. And here's the thought for us. If Jesus knew that he had to withdraw and to pray and to seek his Father, to receive his identity, to receive power, to receive direction, don't you think that we might too? If Jesus, the Son of God, needed to withdraw to seek his heavenly father, don't you think that we might be called to do the same thing too? We need the things that Jesus received from his father. We need an assurance of who we are in him. We need the power of God. We need to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. We need to know God's wisdom. We need to know what he would have us do, just as Jesus sought in his father. And I, I spoke a bit about distraction a few weeks ago. And distraction or taking our eyes off God can have a few effects upon us. And um, I'll explain what I mean by talking about running out of fuel uh, in your car. Have you ever run out of petrol or diesel in your car? I wouldn't recommend it. It's bad news. A few years ago, I was on a motorway and for some reason, the engine just turned off and I had no power. And I was like, this is very, what's going on? And then you look at the fuel gauge and you realize there's no fuel. And what I hadn't done, as I've been barring along, I promise you, 69 miles an hour and not a mile faster, is I hadn't realized that the fuel light had come on 50 miles ago. And so for 50 miles, I've been driving with um, this inevitable thing happening of running out of fuel. And then I had to make a four-mile round trip to go to the nearest station. I had to buy one of those cans, fill up my car, walking back along the motorway to do it. I wouldn't recommend that. What I should have done was called the AA. <laughs> the danger is for us, in terms of our spiritual life, we can be a bit like me on the motorway, as in driving along and the fuel light is on, but we don't see it. And this is what I mean by distraction can cause us to take our eyes off God. All of us need to be refilled, if you like, and refueled by God. All of us, we need that. And that's what we see in Jesus. He knew that he needed what his father had from him. He needed his father's strength. He needed his father's direction. He needed his father's power. Even though he's God, he's lowered himself. He knew he needed that. And so I wonder if there's some of us here today, it's like the Lord would want to say to us, the fuel light is on in your spiritual life. As in, you need me today. And there might be some of us, we, we just don't quite realize, but the fuel light's been on for a little while. 
and we've been doing things on our own strength. And God's just got grace for us today just to call us back and say, just come and receive from me what you need. Come and be refueled today, if you like. And how do we do that? Well, we do it just like Jesus did. Get alone with your heavenly father, just like Rob spoke about last week. Seek him out and ask for his power for you. Because Jesus' ministry is a model for us. That's what we're called to do, and we can explain that in more detail another time. Jesus' method is a model for us. How do we receive from our Father what we need? Withdraw, pray. If you want to know how to pray when you're alone with God, again, I just encourage you to listen to Rob's talk from last week. But I've got a third point here, and it's this, is that Jesus is not just his ministry and his method are something we need, but it's Jesus' humility that is our greatest need. Jesus' humility is our greatest need. And I'm really sorry for fans of alliteration that I couldn't come up with two more M's because that would have been really neat and sort of would have satisfied something deep within me, some itch that all preachers have to scratch by, with alliteration. Let's just read verse 15 and 16 again. Yet the news about him spread all the more so the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Early in Luke's gospel, it says that Jesus got up at daybreak to pray. Poor Jesus, you know, Jesus got up, he's like, brilliant, the lads are asleep, I wanna go find a quiet spot. And yet the fame about him is growing so much that the people found him out. They chase after him, they find him, and Jesus says, no, 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 look, I've gotta go. I've gotta do what my father is calling me to do. Because Jesus knew that to be in this, the public place, he had to seek God in the private place. And Jesus would say again and again in his words and in his actions as we're seeing in our passage, I know that my priority is not with the crowd. Because you could say there's a kind of humility there, couldn't you? You know, if you're particularly after fame, you might say, well, I want to be around people who are adoring me as much as possible. But Jesus would go and seek the attention of the one rather than the attention of the many. You know, all these people had all this need you know, he could draw crowds of thousands, as we see, as he feeds people. And yet Jesus would withdraw from that crowd to seek his father. But there's another here in our passage. There's another image of reliance and humility that I think is actually more significant to us. Because Jesus here withdraws, it says, to lonely places and prayed. And that points us to another withdrawal, to a place and his praying for his father. So in Luke 22, let me read it for you, just a few verses, 39 to 44. You remember this, just before Jesus is to due to head to the cross, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. As usual to the Mount of Olives, which means the Mount of Olives was a favorite place to pray. And his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you'll not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And then it says, an angel appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And this is the great symbol of and sign and story of Jesus's humility. We don't just have a theology of Jesus's humility, this lowering, but we see it in action here. Lord, 
I don't want to go to the cross. That's not my will, said Jesus. But if that's what you want, Father, that's what I'll do. If you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And that expression of humility from Jesus meets the greatest need that all of us have. See, we do need to follow, I think, in our Christian life, the way that Jesus ministered to people. And we do need to follow in our Christian life the way that Jesus did those things. But let this passage today remind you that God has met your greatest need in his son, in humility. See, Jesus went to the cross, and on the cross he took your sin and my sin upon himself. And if you like, he took upon himself the sin that we have of our self-reliance and our idolatry and our putting ourselves as number one in our lives. Jesus took all of that upon himself in humility. I don't wanna do it, but Lord, if that's what you're calling me to, that's what I'll do. See, Philippians 2 said that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death upon the cross. And this is why Jesus would continually go to his father. Not because he had a holiday to look forward to, but we had the, because he had the cross. And so when you read a passage that even just says, Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed, you know that he was relying upon his heavenly father, not just for his ministry on earth, but for the ministry that would bless you and see you go from earth to heaven. The kind of humility where Jesus say, I'll lay down my life for you. And it's actually humility that we need in our relationship with God. You see, I think that is at the heart of our turning our own way and being distracted from God. You know, the fuel light being on. What's the antidote to that? Actually, I wonder if it's humility. Oh God, I really need you. And the danger of our lives is that we go on about doing the things that we do. We're busy, we've got all the things going on. And we just forget, we lose sight of, we aren't attentive to the fact that we need God. And we needed the humility of Christ to save us, to pay the price for our sin on the cross. And it's like, if, if you like, we need the example of his humility for our Christian life. So today, if the Lord needs to point out to you that the engine light is on and that you need refueling with him, if you're in that place, my encouragement to you would just be to start with, oh Lord, I'm sorry. And Lord, I receive your grace again today to seek you out and to seek the thing I need from you. And just as I'm praying that it would be true that verse, it'd be true that verse 15 could be said of Bristol, that the, the fame about Jesus grew all the more and crowds of people sought him out. I pray that verse 15 would be true of our church, that as the fame of Jesus grows amongst us, all of us, like those crowds, would continually seek out Jesus, that we would continually come to Jesus this year and ongoing to hear him, to receive from him what we need, even to be healed.
I encourage you today to seek out the Lord, to knock and for the door to be opened, to ask and to find, and to receive from God all that he has for you. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we say together that we need you. We need your strength for the things that you've called us to do. But it's like, Lord, we we need you even to know that we need you. Lord, we need that humility that Jesus showed for us. And so now, Lord, as we worship and as we go from this place, we're praying that you'd fill us up afresh today. And maybe just where you are, I just encourage you to ask God to fill you afresh with the Holy Spirit. If it helps you to hold open your hands, please do. Lord, come and fill us. Come and give us what we need. Lord, we're sorry for where we've been going our own way in our own strength. Lord, I pray for a boldness for us to carry out the things that you're calling us to, to be a witness for you, to show you, to tell others of you. But Lord, we're first praying for a filling for a refueling, if you like, for you to come in again, be the source that we need for our life with you.